0: boycotts by many international sporting bodies, but still 1976 brought many international events to South Africa. (laughs)
1: Welcome to the weekly review. Start off with some music from a a, a site that I found recently uh, from Pitchfork, and I thought it would be great to to share some of these these tunes with folks. And that was a history of anti-fascist punk around the world in nine songs. So we start off with the first two, and we'll hopefully get to uh, all nine of them by the end of the show. So the first one was um, from Johannesburg, South Africa, from 1977, National Wake with International News. And that was followed by one from Belgium, uh, Basta, with Abortus Verge de Vrou Best List. And my, my Belgian, my Dutch, uh, I think it, I think they speak, to, I don't know. Um, cool song. It's about abortion rights. So folks can can look that up. I'm joined here by Charlotte Tate. Charlotte, thank you so much for being here. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I saw you perform recently at the Brouhaha show in cool. Oakland, and that was awesome. That was an incredible, an incredible show. Yeah. And for I'm just grateful for everyone who was involved and
2: ensured their voices. Yeah, thank you. It was really great. That was the first time that I had been involved uh, with brew Haha. And I had known uh, some of the people who put it on, particularly Devi, uh, for a couple of years. Um, so it was really cool to be asked and then also to be part of a workshop, uh, which basically they did because a lot of the performers either were like first or second time uh, mm-hmm. performers, um, including myself. Uh, I've always had joked that I did... St- Stand up comedy informally because I'm a professor. Yeah. and I teach mostly statistics, so it's not very exciting unless you can inject some humor into it. And, and even that, I think some people still are just like it's just tolerable. Um, so I'd been doing that in front of an audience and you know and making jokes like that informally, but I hadn't uh, until Brouhaha invited me. Actually done it formally and in front of a group, and it was really great to do it in front of a group of folks who were mostly qu- uh, queer and trans uh, folks of color, um, because that's there just aren't that many spaces. Um, sadly (laughs) in the Bay area, uh, for, uh, for folks to come together and really, uh, Get some positive energy uh, from uh, what's happening, because as I think you and I and everybody else is listening knows, like there's a, there's a lot of negativity uh, that's out there, both from uh, lots of white folks, lots of even other queer folks yep. <laughs> who are white, yeah. um, and a lot yeah. of cis folks toward uh, QTPOC. Uh, so it's good to actually have a space where we can actually you know feel our power and feel who we are and yeah. celebrate that. So um, it was really awesome.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it felt, as an audience member too, mm-hmm. just to be mm-hmm. not triggered or frustrated mm-hmm. by the material that was presented, which is mm-hmm. so rare for, I think, especially for comedy performances. And as someone I've kind of been in the comedy world mm-hmm. in and out throughout the years, and it's just yeah. so painful at times mm-hmm. when folks make fun of marginalized, you know, including people who are, happen to be in the audience or exactly. their fellow comedians.
2: Right. No, exactly. And and it was an interesting experience because as someone who'd never formally done comedy and to understand how much of comedy, uh, I guess, is and, and can be about connecting with the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, not I don't condone it obviously, but I understand why some of those problematic comedians exist and because it's, it's a kind of a scary thing to really kind of want something from the audience. And so, you know, I don't think it's, you know, you need to be a professional behavioral scientist or psychologist to understand that where some people are going to go is to kind of go lowest common denominator. Yes. Because at least one dumbass in the audience will be like, yeah, that's totally cool. Yep. And then that person can be like, okay, now I I got something and now I can maybe sort of let my anxiety down. And then sadly that just repeats itself because Mm -hmm. then that person's like, oh, well, I can make another totally fucked up joke. Yep. And whether those comedians end up actually believing what they're saying or just doing it kind of for the effect or to kind of ease tension that they're feeling neither mm-hmm. one justifies it but uh, I think that's I could I could see where that would, would come from and so I'm just glad that there are folks out there like Devi and Luna and Lexi who are you know helping train a generation of uh, comedians to actually realize that that's that's not the only way yes yeah <laughs> that definitely. comedy can look and of course it shouldn't look that way at all in the first place and then but then actually give people skills to uh, to go out there and, and tell their stories and share their experiences in a way that, as I think they said, and I think you have said in, in different blogs that I've read from you about punching up. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and and really, you know, interrogating the system, and and being able to talk about those those things that are negative and problematic, but in a way that doesn't recreate trauma and further um, isolate folks from each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and I think the yeah, the more we see people do it, the more just open people can become, and to recognize that everyone has a voice and everyone deserves to be heard.
2: No, exactly, exactly, and yeah, and I was really just happy about being able to um, hear all of the the responses from like people that I knew, people that I knew who actually I didn't know were in the audience because it was such a big audience. Which yeah, was really, yeah, that was great. <laughs> which was really yeah, amazing. So, yeah. so I would hear people were like, oh, I saw you, and I was like, really, I didn't even see. You. <laughs> I haven't talked to you in a long time, and I I didn't see you, so it was really cool that people could be there because mm-hmm. I think part of what um, a lot of those people were communicating to me was really just how good they felt about seeing that and, yeah. and I think that's really one of the great things that we can do whether it's comedy or you know some other artistic form is really just remind people of uh, the 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 coolness that exists within community, and and the fact that people maybe you didn't know ever <laughs> were interested in comedy, mm-hmm. or you know, or some other kind of art, are actually out there doing it, and just to see part of who you are, yes, you know, being represented in in a way that where the stage is uh, being taken by that person in a way that that showcases confidence and power, and and really d- doesn't have a lot of what we normally see, which is problematic dudes trying to <laughs> insert themselves into Everywhere. situations, right? yeah. (laughs) Um, And and they're problematic women, too. I mean, I know my set was about the problematic dudes, but there are lots of problematic women who also try to do that, usually in different ways, but Mm -hmm. are still there. So it was just great to be in a space where that was at a minimum if it existed uh, at all, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, -hmm. and also just so validating, too, Mm -hmm. just to see other trans performers Mm -hmm. and people, Mm -hmm. like, out there speaking Mm -hmm. their truth. Yeah, exactly. And just, Mm -hmm. of course, like, you know, we're not a monolith, and everyone Mm -hmm. has their own experiences, Mm -hmm. and it's just great just to to see that Mm -hmm. and just to see... The visibility and to be able to identify Mm -hmm. with that and to not have to worry about if someone's going to say something transphobic mm-hmm. or not. Right, exactly. Like, the, at the bare minimum. <laughs>
2: right, exactly, right, and that's and it's sad that that becomes a bare minimum. Yeah. But, but I think you're right, it's also important and validating that you one can really feel and I, and in some ways, I really kind of think about it, and maybe maybe this is how, you know, the, the cis hetero white man feels a lot, just like, oh hey I can just relax <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and focus on the thing yeah. that I'm here for, and it's, it's sad that we, you know, have smaller spaces where we can do that, mm-hmm. but I think those Spaces are really important. And we actually need to not only support them, you know, through uh, the monetary means, because sadly, we, you know, we, as much as all of us want to get away from capitalism, <laughs> it's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're trying. Yes. I'm trying. Maybe I'm in yeah. denial about that. I'm no, like, right. oh, if mm-hmm. I just pretend it doesn't exist, I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, it, you
2: know, but right now, at least, like, part yeah. of it is, is really supporting, you know, through dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also that, I think, will inspire people to try to create those places, you know, maybe ones that don't require dollars. Like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and 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 if nothing else, then we end up just being able to you know kind of propagate a, a movement where mm-hmm. that becomes the norm, and that the the person who is problematic sh- can and should feel like, oh wait a minute, I'm in the minority. Like yes. no no one is is here on my side, and I've actually done some something fucked up. I should feel self conscious. Yes. <laughs> and I should think about my choices, and making that the norm in yeah. spaces. I think is the goal.
1: Ah. Oh. Yeah. That sounds that sounds great. Mm-hmm. I feel that way, like mm-hmm. in a in a lot of spaces. I do improv as well and there's certainly mm-hmm. that definitely tends to skew more uh, homogenous mm-hmm. in terms of young white cis male mm-hmm. and uh with money. Yeah. So it's it's very and even if there is the intention to mm-hmm. diversify it, it mm-hmm. still takes time and it doesn't always show up. That's and right, it can exactly be right. and it can be it can be difficult to be in, in spaces like that mm-hmm. where Ideally, you know, we're all, you know, speaking our truth mm-hmm. and then it's either people aren't heard or okay. it's, it's hard. Right. It feels like an uphill.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uphill. And I can imagine also that even for the folks uh, who are out there who are trying, it, it becomes difficult because one, there seem, there probably is very little uh, overt support mm-hmm. uh, for queer and, and trans performers and folks of color. Um, in those contexts, and and then it becomes this feedback loop where if mm-hmm. they feel dismissed and marginalized in that context, well, it's not a surprise that they don't wanna go back yeah, of <laughs> course. to that context. Yeah, And so I think that what something like Bruhaha and other types of organizations can do is really create that space where there is support mm-hmm. and there is uh, mentoring, and there's there are all of these necessary pieces so that a person Can if they choose, because obviously you know no one has to choose to continue to be up there as one of the only queer or trans or POC or any combination thereof performers doing that kind of comedy for an audience who mostly doesn't get it, and even if they're good intentioned, is probably going to fuck up and (laughs) and say something any number of phobic uh, things. But to be to have a place where a person knows that they. Uh, can both recharge and get that mentoring mm-hmm. in a in a a place where they understand that their identity is not only important but valued and and is necessary to be in those spaces and I think yeah. that's that's what these kinds of organizations really can do.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you teach statistics? Mm-hmm. I I, is, I do. Yes. That's <laughs> so, wow. So I don't know too much about. Mm-hmm. Um, mathematics or statistics?
2: Yeah. Well, interesting enough, I did this. not until um, yeah. I started to realize when I was an undergraduate, uh, which was many years ago in Chicago, oh, okay. um, that in order to do behavioral science uh, research, mm-hmm. we, you kind of have to, to know about statistics. Oh, okay. um, and one of the things that was actually um, pretty, I guess, interesting for me part of on the journey, you know, being uh, a woman of color um, and being queer, um, being a trans woman, was uh, thinking about really not necessarily, one, seeing myself in... Many re- of those identities mm-hmm. represented in the teaching of statistics, uh, but then two having some of the stereotypes that go with that. You know, women aren't good uh, at math. You know, these types of uh, stereotypes that still exist, yeah. and then also nice coming to the nice realization that there are multiple ways to actually access statistics, mm-hmm. um, and the math is a, is one way to do it. Um, but there's even, as I learned later, uh, professionally, there's a division within statistics of the people who do a lot of the mathy statistics. Part and then the people who apply it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's mostly what I do as a behavioral scientist is I apply these statistics. So I don't have to have a a, a really deep understanding of the underlying math. Over the years I've gotten that, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have to in order to to actually use it and understand it. And that was really a great uh, feeling for me because I realized the things that I was good at, like thinking logically, thinking critically, were totally rewarded in the uh, study of statistics, especially for applying it. And as soon as I realized that, I was like, this is amazing. Now I like, I have a way that I don't, whatever, you know, kind of relationship I had to math, I could just <laughs> set that aside mm-hmm. and learn statistics from this other place. And that's also over the years how I've taught it. And a number of women in particular and a number of folks of color in particular uh, have really appreciated that because they, they can not only see themselves through me mm-hmm. as, as being the professor, but also realize that what they thought about statistics in particular uh, wasn't the only way that they could learn it and they could access it.
1: Very cool. Oh, awesome! So you mentioned uh, you studied in Chicago. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. I lived mm-hmm. a, outside of there for a while when I was a okay. kid. Yeah, so.
2: I was I was born uh, and raised there, and so um, I went to Loyola Chicago. Oh yeah. Um, as my undergraduate, yeah, and oh. it, back at the turn of the century, which is a true statement, I graduated in
1: '99. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Oh, right on. Yeah, I lived there when I was a kid in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, in the western suburbs. Okay. So. Um, yeah, mine was the south uh, eastern suburbs, close to Indiana. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Also what brought you out uh-huh. to the Bay Area?
2: Well, what brought me out to the Bay Area was that I uh, had always really wanted to get a job here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had the opportunity. And um, so in 2008, technically San Francisco State University uh, had a job opening and I had been w- looking at that job opening for a couple years. Yeah. It was always like, you know, something that you do plus something that you don't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it was just something that you do. And I was like, really, <laughs> that's it. And so, so I just applied and, uh, and I ended up getting the job, which was really oh, amazing. And oh. so I've been here since 2009.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, Congratulations. It's, yeah. I feel like it, to be able to stay in the the city is, mm-hmm. especially in the last few, because I was born in the, I was born in Oakland and lived in the East Bay for a bit and then moved and then moved back. Mm-hmm. And then anyway, I've been back and forth a, a number of times in my life. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting to come back and to see the changes that have happened yeah. in the area over the years.
2: Yeah. And I actually, um, Matt's, uh, a really a good friend uh, in two thousand four um, in Oregon, which is where I actually went to grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she and I took a road trip down uh, to San Francisco back then, and she lived here um, yeah. and everything. And I, and it was just amazing. It was like I thought it was just like you know amazing, like utopia yeah. for especially for queer women. Yeah. Um, and like being in the mission at that time. Oh, no. like,
1: yeah. <laughs> I've heard so many. I mean, I remember coming back and like even going to the Lexington. This is mm-hmm. maybe back in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. so not that long ago. Yeah. But still, even then, I felt there's a there's a difference mm-hmm. than there yeah. is now.
2: Exactly. And I've noticed, and so I have. That picture of San Francisco, at least you know, in snapshots yeah. from about 2004 to 2009, because I was going, as you can imagine, I was like coming here for Pride like every year, for like 2005, six all, yeah. <laughs> all the way. Yeah. Um, and then when I, I moved here, there was still part of that, but I started to see the change. And now that it's been you know seven years or so, I've actually seen lots of really big changes. Um, and a lot of them, of course, are are really saddening changes because there's just you know, it's it's much whiter, it's it's much mm-hmm. more tech bros, it's much more Bullshit, mm-hmm. <laughs> quite frankly, yeah. um, and people getting priced out, and uh, and all of the gentrification that's happening in all of the different parts of the city, and you know, and we, I think we all know how bad that is. And then in addition, because I play in a punk band, I, you know, trying to get all ages venues like oh, yeah. it's virtually impossible in San Francisco. Which you know, li- listening oh. to bands from San Francisco, you know, back in the '90s, like you know, Jawbreaker, I was just like, I, I want to live that kind of lifestyle and play the places that jawbreaker played yeah um and a lot of them are gone now so, oh, you know, sadly i hadn't obviously. thought about that mm-hmm. wow yeah so yeah so, so a lot of how where my band has played um you kind of in the recent past to spend mm-hmm. at bars or in you know in San Jose <laughs> at all ages spaces or in Oakland yeah. at all ages spaces because they just don't exist anymore in San Francisco. Oh.
1: What's your what's your band called?
2: Uh the band's called This or That. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we have a band camp. It's this or that uh, dot
1: Okay. Yeah. Excellent. I look so, forward to hearing yeah, some.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it's it's hardcore uh queer core punk music. yeah, um, yeah so it's it's fast and loud and super political. Excellent. Um, yeah and so Lauren um, our singer, mm-hmm. uh, they're very uh, political in their lyrics, yeah. um, and then I play bass and, and sing backups, and then mm-hmm. uh, Sarah as our drummer, um, and so it's, it's it's and it's been really cool because uh, Lauren, Sarah, and I are have been friends us. Uh, sp- for a long time probably yeah. like, since you know 2010 uh or so and then sarah and lauren have been friends for way longer than that so oh nice yeah so it's it's really and it's a really great expression of our friendship so that's that's one of the things that i think i'm most happy about with the band is yeah. that we you know it's just it's just friends having fun yeah <laughs>
1: which is cool i feel like i can tell that like mm-hmm. with musicians or actors or people who are performing together mm-hmm. you can tell when folks mm-hmm. trust each other when they're having a good time Yeah, exactly yeah yeah oh nice mm-hmm. oh cool that's very cool mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was thinking about how just uh, i'm always in awe of musicians mm-hmm. and how it's first of all it's universal mm-hmm. where there's like the, mu- the music part of it and then also being able to communicate things that might not one not, might not be able to communicate in other ways mm-hmm. and also just have an audience there is mm-hmm. so is so great
2: yeah yeah and part of what i really have appreciated about Playing music now is that I didn't actually start playing music until I was in my thirties. Oh. Um, yeah, I would always listen to music, yeah. and, and I was like the you know the kid in high school who was like I'm into the cool bands and mm-hmm. stuff, and I had the other kids who also were into the cool bands. Yeah. But I actually really loved punk rock, you know, for the, a lot of the political messages. Yes, yes, that existed, and I was really excited uh, about trying to get into a band. But I also over the years, like when I was in Oregon in particular, I would mm-hmm. find myself. Um, trying to play with people who've been playing for 10, 15 years. And I had like zero experience ever. Uh, So it was really cool when I met uh, Lauren and Sarah and we just talked about like, why don't we just start a band? And we all realized we were in the same boat as it were, where we actually had never formally played music. So it was also a really cool learning experience together to actually learn how to play music, how to compose songs, uh, all those cool things. And to do it in a way that it was new to all of us and that we could, co-create it versus yeah. having it be more directive where mm-hmm. someone's like, okay, like, you know, I've, I've, I am where you, I've been where you were and now I'm past that. So here's how you <laughs> play this, play these notes in this way, or here's mm-hmm. how you structure a song. Cause I'd, I'd had those experiences and they, they were always a little bit strange because I was like, okay, like, I appreciate the fact that this other person knows much more than I do about music, but it's also, it just feel, it felt like work and it felt like just something that i i wasn't helping create as much as just kind of fitting into mm-hmm. um but it's been really cool to to play uh, with sarah and lauren in particular because i learned those things for the first time and now i can like as i've actually played with other folks as well um, and in, been in different like little bands and projects and and that's been cool too because now i can actually you know have that language like um like musicians sort of do. And then it, even when it's like, okay, you just play this part, it doesn't feel sort of like I'm being minimized in some way. It yeah. feels like I'm I'm part of what's happening.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's nice. Just the, the collaboration, yeah. the collaborative aspect. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Very cool. Well, maybe we can take a little bit of a music break. Yeah, sure. Speaking of punk rock mm-hmm. and then we can uh, talk more. There's a lot, of course, I always feel like I need to issue a trigger warning before mm-hmm. the show, just yeah. in general, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, cause it, talking about what's happening in the world mm-hmm. and then it's... Yeah, and I feel it's also, it's like one's duty to like talk about, actually mention Mm -hmm. what's happening, and of course, a lot of the news doesn't get, get out, and Mm -hmm. then if it, and if it does, then there's that skewed perception Mm -hmm. of it, especially from mainstream media. Yes, indeed. So I feel, yeah, it's important to talk about things, and then also occasionally Mm -hmm. find like the positive news stories, like when there's a lot of massive protests, or Mm -hmm. people who are held accountable for their actions, which every now and then happens, and I feel like that's something to celebrate. Indeed, indeed. Great. Um, well, there's a song here, um, by The Dicks, uh, called The Dicks Hate the Police, which, uh, I thought was, it's a short one, so we'll play this and maybe another one. Um, and then we'll be back with some more. Welcome back! That was Fuck the Police by This or That. That was great! Yeah, thank you. Thank wow. you. It's one of our favorite
2: songs to yeah. play uh, live, and we usually open the show with it to really show people what they're in for.
1: <laughs> Excellent! Yeah, for sure! Well, I look forward to playing some more songs, and folks can find these at uh, thisorthat.bandcamp.com. So, yeah. Oh. ah, oh, Yeah. Yeah, we're not a fan here of law enforcement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for many reasons. And for many reasons, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this week's been pretty tumultuous, but mm-hmm. that's every I oftentimes open up the show saying, Oh, this week no. <laughs> and it's but that's been happening <laughs> since two thousand you know, since the began doing the show, which is like a news program where right. it's like, Oh, then this happened and mm-hmm. this happened and I feel there's definitely I'm, I don't I'm curious if you mm-hmm. also have found that sudden you know suddenly there are some people who since november or january have like woken up or have at least mm-hmm. been like oh wow things are bad now oh my gosh what are we going to do when folks have been saying that for centuries yes right now and and yeah and i i this you know this is obviously outside of any
2: kind of professional expertise that i have but just speaking personally i think it's you know, quite frankly, white women got a slap in the face, <laughs> like figuratively speaking, uh, where they realized that their white privilege only extends so far mm. and male privilege mm. actually is going to trump that. And so I think those folks have been in different ways and not always consistently, but kind of activated yes. to now actually think about things and, you know, kind of whatever we, however we would characterize it, I think now those folks were also starting to pay um, more attention to... What other people have been talking about, as you said, for centuries, yeah. and realizing, oh, it's you know, in in some respects, there as a commonality to that struggle. Even while there are intersections, there's mm-hmm. there's a commonality to that struggle. And then, of course, it's I think also very clear to us yeah, that you know, old white men are trying to have their their last death meal,
3: yeah.
2: and you know, uh, and they're just gonna take everybody, including themselves, down. Yep. <laughs> in, yeah. In order to preserve some fucked up version of what they thought. Their grandfather wanted, yeah. Uh, so, so I think that's that's part of it. And then I think also, quite frankly, the and it's heartening to me, you know, being almost forty, uh, to see like the younger generation. I think who've only, in some respects, kind of really known uh, what they had probably at least thought about was mm-hmm. like a, oh, it, it's a relatively open, equal world out there, and yeah. you know, and you know, we we have. A president, you know, at least when Obama, that like you know is the, our first you know president who isn't white, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's amazing. And then I think a lot of them have uh, experienced the, the the cliched pendulum swinging the other way. Yes. Um, and, and seeing that now and then starting to be able to connect those dots that it wasn't just this, oh, it happened in the election. Yeah. There, there has been an undercurrent for, you know, hundreds of years yeah. <laughs> that yeah. brings us to this point. Um, and of course, I think a lot of us have pretty good access to the last maybe, you know, 20, 30, 50 years, depending on you know, how old we are and, and, mm-hmm. and what media sources we, we actually pay attention to. So.
1: Yeah. And then also just the recognizing how systemic it is, like mm-hmm. to a degree, no matter who is, mm-hmm. uh, no matter who's in office, like if right. the system is mm-hmm. messed up and, mm-hmm. you know, people aren't actually represented, right. the people who are elected mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm on the radio recognize mm-hmm. So you, you don't see my ear <laughs> <air> quotes, <laughs> but like people who are elected or <laughs> right. to represent the people it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm feeling that now with even Kamala Harris, who, you know, some folks are like, yeah, it's great that she's taking, you know, Mm -hmm. giving Jeff Sessions a run Mm -hmm. for his money. Mm -hmm. And then I've also heard from the trans community Mm -hmm. that she has not been great to the trans community in the past, Mm -hmm. and has, there's been, in terms of like, with Mm -hmm. prison, Mm -hmm. you know, not being great with folks who are incarcerated. Exactly, right. So it's like, okay, yes, here are some Mm -hmm. people who are... That, you know, but then it's like, if you're against Jeff Sessions, you know, it's like, it's like a low bar to set.
2: No, exactly. Right. And I think, and I hope that that, that people start to really understand that, and see it more clearly. And and if I I don't have a blog, but if I did, I was just thinking about this in, in a different context, but I think that the a blog entry that I would have is all of your heroes are problematic.
1: Yes. So <laughs> I shouldn't have any heroes. Right, exactly. <laughs>
2: so it's like so especially like you know when with what you're talking about with someone like Kamala Harris, then you take the good pieces of of what Kamala Harris is doing, mm-hmm. you also interrogate the the missteps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that Kamala Harris has had in the past. Yes. And rather than kind of laud people as here's the next, you know, person who can yes. represent us. Just yeah. say like, here, this is good point A from mm-hmm. person, you know, whatever. And then, you know, person one and then person two will have another good point that, that supplements that. But both persons one and two have problematic elements yes. to them that yeah. need to be called out, need to be interrogated. And, and, and maybe they, through their good behaviors, can also see, mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe in a starker way, Relief, how much their bad behaviors are actually hurting—not just their own reputation, which I'm sure politicians care more about than anything else.
1: Yeah,
2: um, you know, I'm just a cynic in that way. That oh, I don't—I sure. don't think they're doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. I think they're, in addition, saying, "Hey, here's a moment for me to mm-hmm. up my political capital." You know, whatever. Like then, then make it such that all of these different kinds of rights. Are part of a political capital, yeah. And so that way, if nothing else, we just get them to pay attention to uh, lots of uh, folks who are marginalized um, and try to pull us all up yes. with them and, and show th- uh, that to their constituents. And you know, and if and if we are cynical and say they're just doing it for political capital well, you know, I, at some point, it doesn't really matter what their motivation is so long as the behavior <laughs> happens and it gets done. Sure. Then, you know, they can, they can pretend they were for yeah. <laughs> rights the whole time. I don't fucking care. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, but as long as we actually get the rights and I think you're exactly correct with like hitting on Jeff Sessions as a low bar because of course, like a giant bigot who just now happens to be the, <laughs> the Attorney General of the United States. Well, my yeah. guess <laughs> like, yeah. of course, everyone should be against the Right, right. <laughs> like, (laughs) And you shouldn't get rewarded for calling out that kind of obscene bigotry. Yes. Uh, And that should just be normal behavior for everyone who Mm -hmm. cares about a society.
1: Yeah. 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 So, and I think there's something similar with, um, there was something on NBC was, not that I have much faith at all in the broadcast. Whatever, but there was something about Alex Jones having a show, and then I think J.P. Morgan Chase pulled out, mm-hmm. and it's like Chase, which is a bank that I think the Nazis were affiliated with back in the day. So it's like if a X, I don't maybe they're still. F- it's a big bank, so I'm sure there's plenty of terrible things. So if a big bank is pulling out, like that's, yeah. that says something. Yeah. No, right.
2: And I, and I guess, yeah. And I guess it also says that J.P. Morgan Chase doesn't want to be affiliated with Nazis anymore. Yeah. Anymore is the
1: key word. Right.
2: So, well, okay. J.P. Morgan yeah.
1: Chase, good for you. It'll be maybe evil in other ways, I guess.
2: Right. Exactly. Right. And, yeah, but I think it's, but it's important for us to, and, and, you know, and I think that's something that I've seen through, you know, my years of being involved in, in punk rock is that, uh, in different ways like it's it's, a, it's about trying to kind of activate the people that you can and do the things that you can and, and not turn it into some kind of like hero worship or mm-hmm. Um, uh, a situation in which people are, should be or, or can be, quite frankly, lauded for uh, the good things that they do. You yeah. should just do good things, right?
1: <laughs> Instead of like taking right. a selfie, like right, Look exactly. at me. Look at, at look, at look at this good
2: thing I did. Yeah. Right. And so, and I understand, you know, for in lots of different ways, sure, um, why people do that yeah. because there, there also are different ways t- that folks get motivated, and some of yes. that is through um, showing off, yeah. you know, what they're doing, but. Yeah, but I think uh, for you know for us to really come together as a community, and I I was thinking about this relevant to. A lot of these uh, statements that I've kind of read in, in passing and kind of from my friends and and, uh, and acquaintances about sort of like tearing people, you know, sort of building people up and tearing them down. Mm-hmm. Or even RuPaul recently talking about, like, we have to stop infighting kind of in our community. And it's like, yeah. well, you know, with with your male privilege, go ahead and say that. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. And that also allows then statements to be made by him and others about how drag queens, you know, can speak for um, lots of trans folks and of mm-hmm. course they can't um the you know at least the, the, the cis ones can't and he's a, you know he's a cis man so he needs to be held accountable for yes. what he says and his drag performance and and however political and satirical that is and i think you know overall drag can have those great properties to it but it doesn't give you a pass yeah. <laughs> like if you're saying fucked up shit about trans people you need to get called out about it like, absolutely period and that's not infighting that's mm-hmm. holding someone to account Yes. Uh, for their behavior and so he can do lots of good things in the world and I'm sure he does mm-hmm. <laughs> and he can also do fucked up things yeah. and both are possible in the same person yeah just as we all you know it's <laughs> yeah, like
1: right? constantly making mistakes mm-hmm. I'm constantly right. like learning everyday something new mm-hmm. and I mean that's the thankfully the good thing mm-hmm. is to recognize okay I'm not the same person I am today that I was yesterday and I hope that that can continues on right. and that one can learn from you know what's happening and okay. to be able to be called in mm-hmm. i think that's like another yeah. phrase that <laughs> folks are using calling in I instead agree. of calling out right. <laughs> so yeah it's yeah but definitely there is so much i mean within the the queer community mm-hmm. as itself like with the, like the the white supremacy the mm-hmm. misogyny the transphobia mm-hmm. at every it's just Every now and then I see someone post an article that's like, shocking. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, like racism in Mm -hmm. the gay community. I'm like, what? And everyone's like, what? Like, how is this shocking? Right, exactly. Where have you, Mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, take a look at any Craigslist ad or any kind of, any app or Mm -hmm. anything. Right, exactly. Um, So, I mean, it's, I also, I'm like, okay, if we can't, you know, solve things within mm -hmm. our community, how are we going to have like this greater revolution or the greater Mm -hmm. good if even within this marginalized community, we're still... Mm -hmm fighting amongst each other and people don't feel safe or comfortable. Mm -hmm, Right.
2: And yeah. And reproducing the the kind of trauma and violence that already exists. And uh, many of us are already experiencing from other sources. So it would be nice to at least have a respite where we could go to one place. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like, hey, we we can
1: expect less of that and hopefully none of that. Yes. In
2: in certain places. Yeah.
1: That was just another thing that was so great about the brouhaha. Mm It was just, yeah, it was, Yeah. I mean, that's what made him made feel that much more special, too. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. yeah, right. And that's, yeah. And it was really also special just, you know, thinking about Brouhaha uh, and, and that training program. It was really awesome to be around... Uh, that cohort of trans women. and not all of them were there at, at all of the times. But it was just really cool to to actually be able to to do that, to learn together, to you know help each other, because a lot of what happened in my bit, you know, were suggestions from Nori and Nava, mm-hmm. um, who I actually had the most contact with. And some of the parts of their bits also you know were were from uh, were from myself and and the others. So it was really cool to actually be able to to have that space. and to have in in different ways that common, uh, level of understanding, um, even while like we you know we had different intersections for different ethnicities you know we're um, you know at least you know I uh, am a lesbian and I don't necessarily know how Nava or Nori identify but um, but that was so while those things were there and you know and sometimes uh, were interesting points of conversations um, and and seemed to be differences between us there was this common element of us being women us being trans women and being able to connect on that level which I think also is is not something thing that uh, happens at least very commonly in my life, yes, um, and yes. so, so it's, it's a great space to, to really connect people in that way, and especially for uh, this larger, common, you know, community-oriented mm-hmm. project was just really, really amazing.
1: Nice. Oh, excellent. Oh. oh. It makes me feel so happy. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah, you know, people are out yeah. there doing good, and yeah, that's, and that's all we can do, I think. And and in, in these you know these ways, they don't have to be these giant acts of you know of greatness mm. or or even goodness. And I think yeah. I mean, Bruhaha definitely has been part of the community for a long time and can yeah. really. Uh, bring a lot of people together, mm-hmm. and then I think it's also the case that one should try to find their, you know, their own personal brouhahas, yes. <laughs> you know, and um, and and folks in their community who they can feel those connections with, yeah. and, and really, you know, value and cherish those, because uh, at the end of the day, I I personally think it's a lot of these small acts of you know of validation mm-hmm. and resistance that are the ones that really show up uh, and sustain people yes. um, and the big punctuated pieces are, are great but mm-hmm. um, but that's but they those take a lot of time and, and energy to, to put together
1: yeah so. I think also just during Pride Month especially it's brings up a lot for a lot of folks yeah. and at times mm-hmm. it's easy to feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. and there's just so much that's happening and mm-hmm. it's almost a shame that so much is condensed into this one month Yes. and right there's oftentimes <laughs> events that happen at the same time mm-hmm. and so like they're competing, mm-hmm. and it'd be great if it could be more. I feel like that. I'm not a fan of holidays in mm-hmm. general, but yeah. just that there's so much pressure putting put on this one specific mm-hmm. point in time, and mm-hmm. it's, if things could be more, mm-hmm. yeah, just spread out throughout yeah. the year. Yeah, and
2: I think in, in different ways, at least some of the organizations, you know, the Brewha, Peacock Rebellion included, I think mm-hmm. are, are trying to do that and, and see the value yes. in that, and see, and see the value in having, you know, monthly or, you know, every two months, you know, programming, mm-hmm. so that way it really starts to create that uh, credit Mass of uh, not just folks, but also of interest and sustainability. There's a, a way in which, you know, I think you're right. Like having it be at one month not only puts a lot of pressure on it, but it, it also is the case that then for what do you do (laughs) for the other 11 months of the year that you're that you're hanging out wherever it is that you're hanging out Uh, so this would be at least for the Bay Area speaking about Peacock Rebellion and Mm Bruhaha, to be able to 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 do that uh, for this area and then I think also the ideas are to expand that and try to really have like you know brouhaha travel or you know some other elements travel yeah. to other places um and really try to you know energize those folks mm-hmm. in those spaces to do those things for themselves for yeah. the other 11 months yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah
1: yeah. So. It's great to be able to to, to yeah to go mm-hmm. to other places mm-hmm. and just check in with folks there. And it's easy mm-hmm. to, I mean, I lived in New York for a while and then out here. Mm-hmm. So I've spent majority of my life in or around large cities. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's easy to forget that the advantages and resources that are available here, people don't have in other places exactly. in this country or even even in the state, you know, mm-hmm. you drive a few right. hours right. Exactly. and folks have a lot less uh, mm-hmm. less community mm-hmm. and less like resources in terms of healthcare right. and, uh, entertainment options mm-hmm. even.
2: Exactly right. Yeah.
1: So yeah, it's important, I guess, to remember that. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, let's, um, make it play a few more songs, uh, from this or that. Okay. I'm very excited cool. to, to hear these and then we'll be back okay. in a little bit. Cool. Cool. Great! Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean,
2: I mean it's great. Your reaction is, is really, it's really heartening because that's when we play these songs, like yeah. a, a lot of the queer and trans and, and folks of color in the audience are just like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, and, and it's really, it's really great. And that's, that's one of the things that we love about, you know, playing out uh, when we can, is that it's, it really, you know, does uh, I mean obviously it's great for us and in particular ways because we've spent so much time you know crafting these songs mm-hmm. and we feel good about them and then it's also really great to see other people you know really getting some energy uh, from it and yeah, yeah it's it's always it's, it's always great like it never it's never a feeling that gets old to see someone just be like yes
1: yeah <laughs> definitely to be able to connect that way right exactly and I also feel like just being in different mm-hmm. uh, circles where if mm-hmm, I'm in like mm-hmm. sometimes like comedy or, or mm-hmm improv circles mm-hmm. where there's, there can be a lot of humor and mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. not always, but sometimes there's yeah. not a lot of depth or yeah. a lot of yeah. poli- mm-hmm. political, feelings. Right. And then being in cir- circles that are much more political and there's not mm-hmm. a lot of humor. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's nice to be mm-hmm. able to have both yeah. where you can be mm-hmm. like this, I need to say what the, mm-hmm. what's, what's being said. And then also we can laugh about it right. and, or we can make it palatable in some way mm-hmm. or we can dance to it yeah, or right. just exactly. shake yeah. our bodies yeah. or do something yeah. in some way that, uh, feels less stifling mm-hmm. I yeah, think exactly right yeah
2: no yeah I think yeah because it could you know a lot of the you know this the stuff we have to deal with can be really heavy and without some levity without some counterpoint of, of any kind to it then yeah it, 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 it can just it can just feel like a weight and and more weight <laughs> and and work yeah. and uh, and as much as that is the case it's you know, we. I think a lot of us would like to live these well-rounded, <laughs> complete lives, and not just have the levity yeah. as you were describing. Just be kind of for the sake of you know, either offering something sort of new, or um, or just like a uh, sort of like a small respite from this stuff. But to really be a way to deal with it, to mm-hmm. you know, to actually um, show ourselves that you know that, that there is something you know. But you know, worth kind of going after where there's some positivity amidst all of the bullshit. Yeah. Because um, I'm I'm not you know cynical enough to think that uh, what can and should happen is you know is that we should all just be like oh yay everything's everything's fine. <laughs> it's because it's not. Yeah. And and at the same time, I, I think there there are ways to acknowledge that that's the case, and then also find some positivity um, in you know in in one's own life and and different um, spaces uh, in one's life to to really say you know but there's there's something that i can i can do mm-hmm. on a personal level and that's including just you know listening to <laughs> to songs that make me feel better yeah like, <laughs> let's say you know creating art that makes you know even just me feel better because you know part of what can be cool about that is that when you share it there maybe is at least one other person who finds that really really empowering and, and really energizing
1: yeah definitely um there is this song got me thinking of, like, one of the mm-hmm. recent news stories I heard, which is uh, that Amazon has mm-hmm. bought Whole Foods. <laughs> I, I haven't heard that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I
2: am in no way surprised. Yeah, it's like,
1: it's, <laughs> you know, when one evil corporation buys another, and it's like, this can't be good. Like, there's no way that this is going to be helpful for the greater good. Um, so I was just thinking about that with uh, the... Uh, three fucked up CEOs. No, yeah, right. To cross them out. I like that yeah. idea.
2: Yeah, exactly right. Because yeah, now now you can, I guess what, you can get your overpriced papaya through Amazon Prime.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, delivered to your door. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, knowing folks who've worked for Whole Foods mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how, uh, so Azalia, who co-hosts the show sometimes, she worked mm-hmm. for them for a brief period mm-hmm. of time and worked to uh, unionized mm-hmm. the workers, and then mm-hmm. she was fired because mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And many other folks I know who have also worked mm-hmm. for Whole Foods have non-positive experiences mm-hmm. with that. So I'd imagine it would only get worse mm-hmm. with Jeff Bezos <laughs> <laughs> at the helm, who doesn't even like books but just wanted to find a better way to, you know, com- I don't know if commodifies the mm-hmm. correct word. But, right. uh, yeah.
2: no, but I think it's, a, it's an apt <laughs> word. Yeah, <laughs>
1: just, oh So yeah that's something that I've been you know mm-hmm. thinking about mm-hmm. so and then of course the um the the shooting in i mean there have been a number i mean mm-hmm. it's America mm-hmm. so there's a shooting every day pretty much um and then there's the one that was happened here mm-hmm. in San Francisco and then the one that happened in Alexandria, mm-hmm. Virginia, where this mm-hmm. very right wing politician was shot right mm-hmm. and it's I feel like one has to be very or i should be just careful with the mm-hmm. language I use mm-hmm. around that because mm-hmm. it's no matter what I say, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. I'll just say that this, this happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, folks are looking for a way to demonize, uh-huh. you know, and it's like, and also just that even though folks have been, are being attacked mm-hmm. and there's been an increase in hate mm-hmm. crimes right. and a lot of those stories don't make the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like also as a, I, don't, like, I want to let folks know, and then also mm-hmm. I don't want to re-traumatize people by letting, right, exactly. I don't want my mm-hmm. entire mm-hmm. Facebook feed to be like, oh, mm-hmm. and then this terrible thing happened, and this right. person was mm-hmm. hurt, right. um, and on the flip side, I also mm-hmm. want folks who might not be aware of that to know.
2: Yeah, right, and I think, yeah, and it's, and and I, I think you touched upon it earlier as well, that there's a way in which we no longer really have uh, journalism that we can trust—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's all being run by the interest of the advertisers, um, and and also I think what you see with you know Fox spews—I won't even call them news—they're—they're <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just a, a spewing yeah. organization, and they cater—they cater to a particular kind of person. Yes. So, so part of you know what can—and I think a lot of us maybe feel is on us—is to remind the folks, you know, especially like on Facebook or in different kinds of social media, who might only be exposed to fox views mm-hmm. <laughs> or mostly um to remind them that the world exists uh, outside of that very warped <laughs> way of presenting information yeah. um and and you're right then but it, we run the risk of just piling on different kinds of of traumas to folks that we you know that we care about um and in, in, in trying to, uh, to educate other folks who we you know, probably, you know, I also care about yeah, <laughs> as well. Um, and, and we don't really have a, a media anymore. I think that, that can actually do that. And, and maybe we never did. And, and mm-hmm. maybe, you know, I just don't know enough about the seventies the and eighties, <laughs> you know, cause I was, I was young, I was alive then, but I was <laughs> yeah. still very young. Same. Uh, so I, I don't know if it, technically was any better. But mm-hmm. the feeling that I have is that at least there were some journalistic yeah. integrity principles mm-hmm. that seemed to reign in a way that they just don't anymore. Yeah. And um, and so we, we, we really don't, I think, have news as such. We just have a series of uh, advertiser sort of approved clickbaits mm-hmm. <laughs> um, from different sources. and And it becomes difficult then to actually really understand anything well from those kinds of sources.
1: Yeah. And I feel like with, with the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. that's when folks actually recognized mm-hmm. what was happening mm-hmm. and when they reported that. And then they mm-hmm. stopped mm-hmm. They stopped filming that. They stopped mm-hmm. filming bodies coming back from mm-hmm. wars. And yeah. so that's mm-hmm. still something that's mm-hmm. not really discussed very much. I think that I've heard that people aren't allowed to take photos mm-hmm. of the caskets that come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's this idea that, oh, if it's out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And similar to mass incarceration, where there's millions of people mm-hmm. who are... Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's yeah. just, yeah... yeah. This idea that, oh, if we don't know about it, then mm-hmm. somehow it's not a problem.
2: Right, right. And yeah. And sadly, then it feeds into that perception that, mm-hmm. well, if it were a problem, I would have known about it. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's, that's not necessarily a bad thought to have, but then one has to realize the larger context, which is mm-hmm. people are hiding things from you. Yes. On purpose. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, and, and so that you think it's not a problem mm-hmm. when it really is. Right.
1: Yeah. And then also, of course, then it comes and you know about things and it's like, oh, I feel sometimes feel, feeling paralyzed in yeah, terms of, mm-hmm. oh, there are so many things that are wrong. Mm-hmm. And also that it's systemic right. and mm-hmm. it's happened since before any of us got here. So then how do we, how do we change things? How do we create a new way of being yeah, right. mm-hmm. while taking it down and just changing things? Right.
2: Yeah. And Anna and I've, I've often felt th- that way just personally that the, the enormity of the task of, of trying to to change, you know, minds or trying to get information out there. Mm-hmm. And and part of what I've come to it's just I I can I can do that as I can and yeah. uh, and there are parts of the world that you know I have access to um, and uh, you know professionally there are, you know there are parts of the world that that I people will listen to me mm-hmm. <laughs> about because mm-hmm. of that um, but then like you know with with the band and there are also parts of the world where I just you know find like-minded folks and, and we can you know we can kind of uh, talk about and and these issues and feel them together and in, in some ways I feel like that's some of the best we can do because i've you know especially professionally you know i'm part of systems where you know i'm trying to, to push change and mm-hmm. you know the the old guard pushes back because they either don't don't believe <laughs> what I'm saying, even though as a behavioral scientist, I often times have data. <laughs> and Then it's like, well I, I you know I, I would choose not to believe in, in the argument that you're making with these data. and, and, and there's a, you know, I won't go too far into that, but, but there are just different ways in which the, the systems that are in power yeah. can push back. Um, but it also just then reminds me of a, a kind of a quote that uh, I remember from when I was a teenager listening to punk rock, uh, Kurt Cobain. You know who was problematic on his own uh, did actually have a, a really uh, both like a quippy co- quote, but also one that I thought was really, really kind of helped me see something. And he basically during one of the shows he said, "We're going to wait for the dinosaurs to die out, mm. and when they die out, then we're going to move into their homes." Oh <laughs> yeah! And so part of it is just that it's like yeah. waiting for the dinosaurs to die out, and sometimes you can't push them out; you just have to wait for them yes. to die out. But yes. And, you know, and maybe I'm over-interpreting the quote, but it just from my own perspective then, and then we move into their homes, which can just sort of seem to be funny, but then we can move into those positions. Yes. And yeah. by doing that, we can start to to affect different kinds of change because, you know, we can then become the ones who, you know, have some amount of, uh, of, of power to, mm-hmm. um, to help, you know, in that case, wield for good. Um, yes. And that's, I, I see that very much when I do things professionally, I'm always thinking about uplifting, you know, trans. Folks, and you know, of, of the entire spectrum—not mm-hmm. just trans women, not just trans men, but all the kinds of non-binary folks that mm-hmm. are out there—and I want to always remember to remind. Uh, my readers of these research reports that those groups are important. They exist and they're central to us understanding gender. Period. Yes. And um, and when you know editors of uh, article of the articles that I write push back mm-hmm. on me to like, do you really need to say that? And I'm like, yeah, I really need to say that. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I just that's those are the fights that I pick. And then if they want to screw up some table and I don't like the way that it looks, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel better living with that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And getting that kind of point out there and and try to make that change because then younger scholars see it mm-hmm. and they're like hey someone else did it like you know this person's yeah. out there you know making those those statements and then it starts to over time mm-hmm. change the culture and so part of what I've seen at least professionally is that it really is the kind of cliched long game you just you know in some ways it's it can be good to, to really think about not just can we change immediately but yeah i you know what is the path to change look like and how do we make the little steps right now and Day to day, month to month, mm-hmm. to actually get there, and you know, and eventually, I think we will. And that's also said from a cynical place. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm not like Pollyanna positive yes. about it. Yeah, but, but yeah. I think that that might be one of the more effective ways to make change, and also I think one of the more sustainable ways, even just personally, because um, part of what you described is kind of the per, you know feeling sometimes paralyzed by um, the the enormity of the task. Mm-hmm. If it can be broken into smaller bits, then, you know, in, in even kind of day to day bits, then there is something that maybe kind of helps with that kind of, you know, figurative paralysis where you feel like you can make a, at least one step. Yes. Um, and, and if you can make one step, then you can make another. Mm-hmm. And then over time, you know, you're walking. And, and, and in that way, um, there, it, you, one starts to see that the, the, the task is big, but, mm-hmm. but there are, are steps that can be taken. Yeah, and, you know, to get to, that's that big goal.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. And that's also just reassuring to hear it too. Cause I feel like there's also that burnout that I think a lot of folks experience where, you know, you do a lot and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. one doesn't have the energy to even take care of oneself. Right. And yeah, it's to recognize also, like, Mm -hmm. what's the point really Mm -hmm. if we're doing all this Mm -hmm. and then we're not even enjoying ourselves the rest of the time Mm -hmm. or, you know, what are we really fighting for?
2: Right. No, exactly. But I think you're right about that, that, you know, and whether people, you know, like or don't like the the self-care or kind of think it's, you know... (laughs) <laughs> Just a, a new cliche or whatever. I think yeah. it's you know whatever that idea, whatever one wants to call it, that idea. I think is really important of of being able to because it's has got to be that if if one wants to 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 change things and, and create any amount of revolution, mm-hmm. then one has to also be in a place where there's energy
1: yes <laughs> from yeah. the self
2: to do that yeah because right? you're right and I think and and in in different ways I think and ironically maybe the the stories that we get told about you know revolutionaries you know kind of so called called by, you know, by whomever, um, oftentimes we only talk about, like, and then they just, you know, kind of rushed <laughs> and burnt themselves out mm-hmm. and, like, you know, went at this for years. And it's like, but they also, <laughs> that probably wasn't exactly what they did. Yes. Like, ultimately, that's a that's an arc of a story that we can tell. But, yes. But we yeah. should also tell the story about how, how do they do things day to day? Like, how do they actually, you know, wake up in the morning and, and continue that? Yes. <laughs> and, and I think if we people heard more of those stories than they could understand more practically mm-hmm. how to, how to sustain themselves. Yeah.
1: As well as like this looking mm-hmm. into the, what the communities do and mm-hmm. what it's done as a mm-hmm. uh, collaboratively mm-hmm. instead of, cause I feel like in school there was this, mm-hmm. Oh, this one mm-hmm. person did this, this one person mm-hmm. did that. And it's right. like, wait a second. This, these things were organized exactly right. by mm-hmm. lots of people. Mm-hmm. And I think history or there's like that, that trope of, Oh, this one mm-hmm. person did it because mm-hmm. it makes people feel like, oh, I'll let someone else mm-hmm. do it. Someone yeah. else can come along and do it instead right. of actually recognizing what goes mm-hmm. into organizing.
2: Yeah, and I think it's also probably, as well, just a a consequence of how Western colonial kind of history you know, Stylizes itself, yeah. which is to, to really just make it a, a palatable story. So mm-hmm. you know, what's a, a fairly easy story to understand? Well, one person did all of these things in a sequence, yeah, <laughs> like, yep. and that's it. Versus actually, you know, because it's a highly we're a highly individualistic culture, so that also is something that we can access. Well, yeah. Versus being able to say like, oh hey folks, you know, one person was a part of an organization yes. of folks, yes. <laughs> yeah, had all these resources distributed, In this way, because of course that's also gonna. If that story were told, which you know is, is I I think, probably the majority story in the Mm -hmm. sense that it's true most of the time, uh, then you know how does that match up with you know the 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 meteoric rise of CEO you know number whatever,
3: Uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. and
2: and all that bullshit that that people keep. just repeating as mm-hmm. as the the like the great person is something that we should all aspire to. We should aspire to be great communities in the sense that mm-hmm. we're you know we're actually helping each other out. We're not um, marginalizing folks. We're, the, these are the kinds of stories that we should be told. And I think part of that actually, uh, with problematic pieces, I'm sure would come out of telling the fuller story of how the person who's been plucked as the representative mm-hmm. for this revolution how it actually happened that they were embedded in a context. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And the context had larger goals and some of which they've achieved maybe or some of which they strategically left aside for, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever they were trying to do. But to tell that more nuanced story, I think would also help, you know, folks who really are wanting to make change because they start to realize it's not all on me. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's finding a, a, you know, finding a group of people who are are like-minded and then doing some kind of organizing within that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We had a, um, a guest in, a few years ago named Paul from the Coalition on Mm -hmm. Homelessness, and Mm -hmm. he was talking about how we need to be, like, a Hydra. Mm -hmm. So there's just, like, Mm -hmm. many of us, so that way, Mm -hmm. even on on the the defensive, if Mm -hmm. the... Our, our opponents or enemies or whatever language mm-hmm. one wants to use mm-hmm. takes, you know, gets rid of one of us. There's still many in, exactly, in their right. place. To no, right. Exactly.
2: And I think again, yeah, and, it's, and it's, and it's a great metaphor for also what can happen in those situations mm-hmm. where, you know, one, two or more of them can be problematic. And we're yeah. circling back to that piece. Oh yeah. And if that's, if it's going to be kind of like a character takedown of yes. like this person, you know, is, is problematic in these ways mm-hmm. and that somehow implicates the entire movement. Yeah. It's like, well, no, it doesn't actually. Yeah. It implicates that person, <laughs> right, right? And maybe the movement, you know, uh, needs to address that. But mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't disqualify the movement just because one of the the folks is problematic.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like everyone's problematic mm-hmm. in their own way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, we can play a little bit more mm-hmm. music, okay. and you're welcome to to, to stick around as okay. long as you'd like. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm having a good talk. I appreciate, uh, conversations more than sometimes I'll just read like the articles and then by the end of the show, I'm just like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm kind of like, uh, um, so yeah, conversations are just much more uplifting and informational. Yeah. So cool. So we'll be playing some more from this or that again, folks can check out this or that dot So we're going to play a song called insomnia. I can definitely relate to this. <laughs> So those were some more songs from this or that. Wow. Those Thank are great. You. Thank you. Yeah. And some of those r- bring me t- back, like,
2: to me- and kind of take me down memory lane or whatever that cliche is. Mm-hmm. In part because, like, it, uh, more recently we haven't played some of those songs. Not mm-hmm. for any bad reason. We just, we've made new songs that haven't sure. been up um, yet. And so, so I was just like, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like Especially that last one. Of, we haven't played that in many years, and oh, actually. Okay. And because of that, like, I haven't really, like, listened uh, to it. Um and and so yeah, so it's so it's it's great, and it brings back memories of like you know playing shows and really connecting uh, with people. And that particular one, the "Full of Lies," was uh, one of our more danceable songs. So mm-hmm. we would, and it was really cool actually to be part of a, a situation where like we were playing a show at s- Submission when it existed. Um, and we, uh, we started, people started like doing a little pit in the audience. We were like,
1: to that song. And we we're like, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and it was
2: also cool to for me because it was simultaneously, it was the first time that I was able to notice um, the crowd while playing. Mm-hmm. And because that's, you know, at least in you know, the way that I've kind of uh, developed as a musician, I was very... Um, particular about like making sure that I played all of them, you yeah. know, it's just right. And it's in part because, um, everything that people have heard, there's only one string instrument. So it's just bass drums and singing. Okay. Um, so, oh, wow. okay. yeah. yeah. Oh. So like, so, so that, so part of it is that like, if I make a mistake, <laughs> like then <laughs> like in, in my own head, of course, no one can tell, yeah. which I also kind of learned later. It's, a, you know, and I think there are parts of being a musician that have also been good in my life. Cause I yes. kind of, it's helped me realize that like, you know, especially with music, like, only Lauren and Sarah know what I'm actually supposed to be playing and sometimes they don't even know that (laughs) and so it's only me so I can be kind to myself Um, but as I I was able to to focus less on that and then also more kind of on, on connecting with the audience. So, mm-hmm. so that's been really good. And over my sort of musician development, I've been able to now do that where I can, I, I can feel confident in, enough in myself both to to do it right, but also just not stress about it. Because mm-hmm. um, even if I make a mistake, like I've also gotten good enough that I can just cover it and, you know, and just sort of like stop playing or whatever. And people are like, whoa, that was so cool. And I'm like, I know it was totally a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> like, But it's all good. Because one of the nice things I realized is that it's really much more, about the energy mm-hmm. that people are experiencing and it's and it's less about the technical things oh yeah that I'm playing and it was, it was and it was a cool thing to realize um, especially because in other parts of my life you know especially you know writing research reports and being very technical like that's a lot of what my life is is trying to be very precise and you know and all these things and mm-hmm. it's been really cool to be able to remember that like hey like <laughs> there, there's a whole part of life where sure. that kind of thing isn't valued in the same that precision yes. isn't valued in the same way and it's really more about getting the gist and kind of getting the energy and yeah. so yeah that's that's also why I I continue to love you know playing um is because it really it helps me see that part of Mm -hmm. my own life um and then it's just great to share with people and to and and to realize that's what it's about like and and music it can uh, for me at least it I've noticed it because I've always loved it as a a, as a listener Mm -hmm. because of like how it made me feel and then as a Kind of producer of it and a creator of it. I, I have another side too, and, and it's sometimes a little bit harder to see mm-hmm. that experience for someone else, where like they they're just you know they're just taking it in. Yes. <laughs> and, oh yeah. Yeah. And and that's really been cool to now be on both sides of that to be mm-hmm. able to you know because I can actually like from playing in a band. I can appreciate music that I normally didn't mm-hmm. um, either because it wasn't political enough or it was like you know too slow or whatever and for my own tastes. But yes. I I can now appreciate you know. what what that person is going through as someone who creates yeah. you know that and so I, I you know so I, th- I feel like in some ways I, I also have a little bit more um, and maybe sympathy is probably the wrong word but I, I just you know, I, I feel like I can connect more mm-hmm. um, with, with you know musicians in particular because I understand you know part of what it takes to do that
1: yeah were there any oh, were there any musicians that you felt really inspired by as you were growing up
2: yeah well I mean part of I mean if the Nirvana technically was one of the the first because mm-hmm. they for my time living in you know uh, the suburbs of Chicago <laughs> and, yeah. you know at, at that time I really never heard music that was that like kind of directly uh, energetic mm-hmm. um, that wasn't also like associated with some kind of like you know, I'm, I'm a hyper capitalist or, <laughs> like, or, or I have <laughs> these problematic aspects too yeah. but there's not to say that Nirvana never was problematic because I think there, there are ways in which they were but more of what I saw from them yeah. was, was not they kind of avoided um to, at least earlier in their career I feel yeah. like they they avoided some of the big sort of problematic pieces but then also they I, when I learned about like the things that they did that mm-hmm. they like played like no on nine benefits which was like this horribly fucked up proposition in mm-hmm. uh, Washington and Oregon mm-hmm. um, to basically like not teach about homosexuality in school so they yeah. played benefits to actually you know strike that bill down and I was just and that was like one of the first times that I was like wait a minute like musicians can actually like be political mm-hmm. um, and then that opened up like the bands of that time um, that we're also doing that, like Bikini Kill and yeah. know, Kathleen Hanna. Yeah. You know, she was she was very problematic in many, <laughs> in many ways, and she's less problematic these days. But back then, but even still, I was yeah. I could appreciate, especially seeing women do mm. that because in you know, Nirvana, all guys. Um, there was a part of it where I was like, I, I wish that, and then I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. Like there's Bikini Kill and there's Bratmobile. And yeah. There's, you know, there's Team Dresch and L Seven. Yeah. And yes. so all of these, and so it just then so and in that way, I think it was that those, all of those bands that I've named in different ways inspired me, uh, that it was in in part to be able to see women, uh, in particular doing those things, being political, you know, having a voice, you know, being in their power. And while a number of them were problematic in different ways, Mm -hmm. you know, as a young trans woman, I was like, Hey, like (laughs) I wanted to see part of who I was, you know, uh, there, um, and then, of course, that you know, they, they were all white, and and I'm, you know, i part of my background is white, so it, it wasn't as though I was I thought to myself like, oh, you know, as a as as a person of color, um, I I can't sort of like white people, which I know there are some you know POC folks, that's you know that's what they think, and I'm not uh, making any statement but a descriptive one about that. But for me, you know, I could also see part of myself, you know, in in those folks, but I was also really desirous of seeing other folks of color. And then of course, you know, I I then get introduced to uh, bands like Los Crudos and you know through listening to to these bands and then even bad brains. Yeah. As much as as problematic as they (laughs) have become and still are in some ways. Uh Like but at least like seeing you know like brown black and brown folks, you know, who who were also part of my identities like out there doing those things and being political and you know, and again, sometimes being problematic, but but for the most part, yeah. you know, at least in, in some of their early stuff for Bad Brains in particular, just being able to be like, yes, like, and then also to realize, you know, the the, the thing that I was uh, very uh, encouraging to me is that like Bad Brains really starts that hardcore punk movement, and like my, bands like Minor Threat and others are like credit Bad Brains for mm-hmm. being like they showed us like what this genre was about, and mm-hmm. so just to to recognize that, that's like wow, like, and and see mm-hmm. that and and see how again like there're problematic elements which I'll never deny but to, but punk had always been a place as i saw it where lots of folks from different marginalized identities had a place and yes. could you know and and could really uh, initiate and sustain, you know, some of the, the forums. And sadly, it, it keeps getting whitewashed by, you know, cis white hetero dubros. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Um and, and even the ones who are like the manarchists, <laughs> you who know, are like, I'm into anarchy, but really also my white privilege and male privilege. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, So they exist too. Um, and, and sometimes they're the ones who end up, you know, either con- controlling the conversation or at least overly contributing to it. Um, and I and Limperist had actually played um, here a, mm. a couple of years ago. And Martine, Who's you know was the, is the lead singer of Limp and was also in Los Crudos who really talked about um, you know not allowing that to happen and, and basically and it was really cool because he was talking they played on the night of uh, I think it, I think it was the night of Trans March it might have been mm-hmm. and they realized that they they really needed to honor a lot of the trans folks who had been part of both you know the original Pride as a riot yeah <laughs> yep and also to talk about how don't ever let you know people pink wash. Uh, punk in this way, or just, you know, the queer movement mm-hmm. to say that trans folks were never a part of it. And it was yeah, really just yeah. powerful to, to hear, you know, someone say that out loud and really mean it mm-hmm. <laughs> simultaneously. Cause I think these days, um, you know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think there's a lot of, um, pandering that a lot of cis folks do to trans folks to be like, Oh no, 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 we're going to include you. And they, mm-hmm. they never really do. And, or, um, uh, other folks think they can get away with, you know, with being but like, Oh, well, you know, I'm, you know, I, either I'm queer, and therefore it's okay that I have cis men playing trans women, <laughs> but I'm queer, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. and so it's okay, uh, or they, uh, you know, they, they end up basically being like, oh, like, we'll just make like, no, gender's like just a hodgepodge, <laughs> and, and it doesn't really mean anything, Yeah, and it's like no, you don't really get to say that from that that position, mm-hmm. so, so it's just really cool to be able to, and even to this day be reminded uh, of uh, that kind of inspiration, which I found in punk. So I've always had this really great relationship on that level with Mm -hmm. punk of understanding kind of what it can be and what it can stand for, even if it doesn't always in every particular instance. Um, And really now being a part of it uh, in the Bay Area, at least, to kind of remind people this is what it can and should be about. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You brought up a lot of great points Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting to think about, too. Like I also... Um, yeah, I grew up in the old well, eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm a few years younger than you. Yeah. And so I remember like with grunge mm-hmm. and back and I remember even like the liner notes and mm-hmm. incesticide in, in yes. where, mm-hmm. you know, Kurt was like, if you're, you know, if you're a homophobe or a mm-hmm. racist or a misogynist, don't mm-hmm. buy our records. Exactly, and, right. And, and don't come to our shows, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> like those were written in. Yes. Exactly, right, And even in Pearl Jam. And I'm mm-hmm. sure we can also, yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- yeah. I the word problematics come up a lot, mm-hmm. I think, with a lot of these folks, certainly. Mm-hmm. But in uh, Vitology, there was like a, mm-hmm. there was a letter written to President Clinton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> not not really a really fan of any presidents. Uh, anyway, yeah. but like, it was just pretty much about abortion mm-hmm. rights, for right, instance. Exactly. And, you know, mm-hmm. folks using... Mm-hmm their their platforms to actually mm-hmm. speak up which exactly, was right i think growing up in that time mm-hmm. was great to see and i you know I'm a trans man so mm-hmm. being socialized as a female it mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. nice to see mm-hmm. you know cis men mm-hmm. at least right. speak up
2: exactly right exactly right yeah and, and i th- and i think it's something that i at least feel is it has been absent from a lot of because I mean that was we were both talking about that that was the popular music Mm -hmm. of the day yeah yeah and that's yeah that's also something that's really interesting to remember because the popular music of this day Mm -hmm. um while it does feature some people trying to speak up and Mm -hmm. you know and and we have to admit that there is some you know being called conscious hip-hop and but a lot of the hip-hop is about you know problematic things like just being a Mm -hmm. (laughs) hyper-capitalist being a misogynist Mm -hmm. and again that's not a to say that that is all that it is or that that's how um, uh, people uh, are consuming it but it's it's a pretty major feature uh, of it and I and again, I also have to say like I've, I haven't really dipped into, Kind of and and not even just then done more than dipped and actually like paid attention mm-hmm. to what's happening with hip hop to see like where are those other messages and voices yeah um, but it just it, it does appear to me that you know that at least for a short time that there was a way in which the popular music also really did mm-hmm. push the envelope in a way that I I yes. don't know that the popular music is now but maybe it's pushing it for different you know, for different ends. And I, I, I have to be able to admit that, that maybe, you know, Beyonce really is doing something yeah. <laughs> for, you know, for, for different aspects of intersectional feminism that yes. I that's just harder for me to see. Um, it, for different reasons, and in part just because I don't listen to Beyonce as much, <laughs> but also in part because maybe you know not being a young woman now, yes, yeah, it's it's harder for me to to really access that. So yeah. I always have to remember for myself that you know part of because I think I I, I also don't want to be like that crotchety old woman who's like back in my day. We like had I mean. the real stuff. Yeah, like, of course we didn't. Like we had problematic stuff that yes. was sometimes yeah. interesting. Yeah, and that's yeah. presumably what's happening here too. And it's just harder for me to. Access that, but but I would hope uh, you know. Even with all of that said, I was I would hope that with those kinds of messages are gonna be to the fore in Mm -hmm. the way that that I think you and I both remember them. Yeah, being at the fore and you know in the popular music of that day.
1: Mm -hmm. I also wonder if how much of it is back. Okay, so first there were you know there were the record. Well, I guess there was like the eight track and the record you know records, and then there was cassette tapes, and I kind of came of age with the cassette tapes, and then the CDs. And things that we actually could hold in our hands, and I feel mm-hmm. like artists had—not that there weren't—every time I read about mm-hmm. musicians mm-hmm. and their record companies and the battles they've had yeah, with right. the creative control, mm-hmm. there at least was a say in terms of the artwork on the album mm-hmm. and like the liner notes and the mm-hmm. messages they could maybe present in the actual right. case mm-hmm. of yeah. the of the whatever the the disc or the mm-hmm. record or the or the tape. And I also wonder if now. I mean, maybe from, you know, just as a, being older now, like I feel less of a connection to it because Mm -hmm. it's more, if I buy something, even from a friend, it's like, oh, I'll just download their album. Mm -hmm. And there's some, it's not quite as tangible. Mm -hmm. And so I also wonder if that's maybe creating more of a distance. And Mm -hmm. if maybe artists have maybe less say or less Mm -hmm. uh, visual, or there's like less text perhaps Mm -hmm. in what they put out.
2: Yeah. But I think it could also be that, uh, for at least from what I have seen from Different, because I, I, I still, you know, being a professor, like I still kind of. Be, uh can overhear what the, the young folks of today are Yeah, yeah are tell us what they're about. saying. Yeah, right. And, but part of it is that um, the social media presence I think is oh, yeah. is actually, I guess can be, and it probably is for some folks, but oh, probably yeah. can be leveraged in that way because mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a kind of, like, to kind of use the, you know, the college professory sort of, like, it's the visual text. Okay, you know, there we yeah, go. That's, like, yeah, that's the word I was looking yeah. at. Right? Yeah, right. But it's like, so now, like, you know, what people are doing while promoting their album, mm-hmm. like, you know, and whatever it looks like to maybe folks who aren't as familiar with it I see. that I think might be the kind of the medium for us it was like reading and having physical objects and looking at how the physical objects were yeah were curated and now it's the the uh who you are as an artist can be curated in you know your Twitter account and, yeah. you know your you know Vivo or whatever oh, yeah. it is and even though those are of course ultimately controlled by, by corporate interests I think it's parallel mm-hmm. because ultimately Atlantic Records or Geffen mm-hmm. you know we're still fighting with their artists about <laughs> well we're not going to sell enough tapes yeah. if you write homophobes don't come to our show yeah. Like, yeah. in your liner notes yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure like bands had to be like well that's too fucking bad yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like this is who we are yeah. so maybe now you can actually just say that and then Mm-hmm. You know, Atlantic Records still gets mad at you, but yeah. <laughs> it was a tweet rather than right. That's <laughs> rather than liner that's notes. A great yeah. point. And I would hope yeah. that that's you know that's what people are doing, and yeah. um, and and you know, and maybe they can use it in that way. And especially for you know any young artists listening, I think that's that's a you know a way for them to to also think about it. Like because part of what we did um, in the span, you know, showing up with, mm-hmm. with this or that in like twenty twelve or thirteen, whenever I think it was 2013 when we started actually playing. But in any case. Um, when we put up on Bandcamp, we wanted to act, we wanted to make sure that we had the lyrics up mm-hmm. there, so that way people could actually you know see it. And we yeah, had even yeah, we, it's yeah, great like, yeah. 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 So yeah. people can like because I also and part of it is like when it's fast and loud, it's sometimes hard to yes. understand. Yeah. But but then also so that people can really you know can feel good about what they're singing along to because mm-hmm. they know <laughs> what is being said and you know and then part of it we've also thought although we haven't done a lot with like thinking about like how do we present our, ourselves you know and and a lot of what we've thought about even just just one example is really trying to, to showcase the band itself mm-hmm. and not just having like one person be, you know, the the representative yes. of the band, but yeah. really showing all of us together. And so even how we like we arrange ourselves on stage is often we've tried to do it horizontally where we're all on the same oh, kind yeah. of visual line. Yeah. yeah. So so that way it just and sometimes it's not possible because of how the space is set up and it, mm-hmm. there's the traditional like the drummer in the, in the back. back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but when we have enough space, we put the drummer on the same level as nice. as all of us. Yeah. And, That's and, great. And exactly. And and so and then and it's those little things where we're trying to, you know to show what's there and I also even when I think about it like playing those shows I always try to wear um, shirts that are of female led or all female bands Mm -hmm. Um, and whether they're you know hardcore bands or not that's you know that's what I'm doing as a way to also show to the audience and promote in the same way that I I learned about you know bands that way like I learned about you know bands by you know when it was Nirvana like Kurt Cobain wearing shirts (laughs) of bands or Dave Growler wearing shirts of bands and I was like oh I should check that band Like, like <laughs> the raincoats,
1: for instance, i had right. never heard of. And exactly so,
2: right, yeah. and so so seeing those shirts and and having them, you know, talk about yeah. that in in interviews. Yeah. So you know, to the extent that I can, and mm-hmm. and, and when it's relevant, to I think that the band can, we always try to promote folks that we know, you know, who we also are, know are doing good things for trans POC we, mm-hmm. you know, women. So
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really just mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's kind of like uh, was it not? It's like a a hand up. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. is the, right is exactly the, right. Mm-hmm. And folks
2: out. Exactly right, exactly right. And just say and right and, and promoting, you know, people and messages that, you know, that we that we agree with and that we think that should be farther out there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's like sharing of resources. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is kind of like besides the point, which one yeah. news story that came out recently that's positive, I guess, mm-hmm, can yeah. be if we're if for folks who believe in working within the system. Uh, Serbia has gotten its first female and gay prime minister. Mm-hmm. So that hopefully she has got good politics because mm-hmm. again right. you know it's like you can be <laughs> right. female and gay and still be problematic <laughs> as we've discussed before. Right. So, so I feel like at least that's something on the positive, you yeah. know, on yeah. the positive more representation. Mm-hmm.
2: No, and I think on, and representation, uh, and, you know, at I think there are. Limits to the, the positivity of it because mm-hmm. obviously we can think about like the sports teams that are totally fucked up about the representation of indigenous peoples, and, mm. and people can say, Oh, it's representation. So, <sighs> yeah, so obviously, yes. representation yes.
1: <laughs> that yes.
2: isn't on its own always good. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think a, a point in this case would be maybe that inspires folks, you know, especially in Serbia and neighboring countries to think yeah. about like, Hey, like as you know, as a young gay person, as a young woman, as a young gay woman, yeah, <laughs> maybe I can aspire not only aspire but then actually achieve mm-hmm. you know these these uh these dreams and 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 that the 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 roadblocks to those and the obstacles that they might have been thinking yeah um uh, may may not be as um intractable or kind of as you know as unmovable as mm-hmm. they may have thought
1: yeah yeah i think yeah it's also just as a young person mm-hmm. things have changed a lot mm-hmm. certainly uh just i feel like trans visibility for instance but i remember mm-hmm. at a time when i didn't know it was even possible for me to exist and yeah, i feel like a great. lot of trans mm-hmm. folks have also felt that mm-hmm. where or that we couldn't exist or if we did that we would mm-hmm. be the jokes or something right. so to see someone even if it's in mm-hmm. politics which is mm-hmm. as we've said here on the show mm-hmm. can be problematic in itself right, at exactly. least is some representation mm-hmm. of right exactly uh,
2: and and i yeah and then i think and the point can still be made there with uh you know the the well, she's not the only representation of problematic trans women, mm. <laughs> but, mm. but there at least is one who has her own show, who I guess I won't name explicitly. I don't know who
1: you're talking about. Right, <laughs> I'll never know. <laughs> right,
2: but I've actually I've I've called her yeah. out before in different ways. It's, oh, you know, sure. With Caitlyn Jenner. Sure, sure. And so sure. that that I think gets to a, a situation yeah. where we probably don't need that kind of visibility because all that visibility is really doing is showcasing white privilege. Yes. Um. In in a way that is yes. is. is Almost completely unchecked because most of the people that she gets to advise her, um, and I advise in in the air quotes, yeah. <laughs> just tend to be other white, yes, <laughs> trans women um, who never really talk about the privilege of being a white woman mm-hmm. in the U.S. and yeah. that's something that Caitlyn Jenner really needs to. To, to think about and, and go with and until and, and unless she does you know I'm going to continue yeah, <laughs> to, to to talk about that as being the, the wrong kind of representation because of course she can be whatever kind of woman she wants obviously yes. lots of cis and trans women are horribly problematic <laughs> like that's that on its own is just a sad description yes, <laughs> of yes. the world we would hope that they weren't but then to have that kind of platform and to and to claim yeah. that what you're doing is representing when all you're doing is just trying to make more money for yourself through mm-hmm. the advertisers that needs to get called out and, yeah and, and shut
1: definitely i completely agree with that and i remember that she was going to i think it maybe already even happened that she was going to speak mm-hmm. at the castro mm-hmm. theater and then there was like a boycott yeah. Yeah. and then she was moved to a different a different location mm-hmm. this was a few maybe a month ago or yeah. so but there was a, definitely a a big out outrage mm-hmm. outwork no, yeah. Okay. Right. I'm kind of. <laughs> no, well just me yeah, yeah, I think
2: it could be an outrage, an outraged uproar. <laughs> yeah,
1: uproar, uproar. There we go. I get to that that point on the show where my my language tends <laughs> I tend to either make up words or, um, or forget. But there was there was one organization that was like sponsoring her, and mm-hmm. there, the whole on the event, mm-hmm. people were just kind of going in just to be like, what? Why is she here? Exactly. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And I and I,
2: I don't even know that she necessarily represents uh, anyone but herself. And I mm-hmm. and I mean that both from the perspective of. Uh, Uh, her own sort of motivation, because I think Mm -hmm. you can see it differently with uh, folks like Laverne Cox or Janet Mock, who really not only have their own sense of who they are, Mm -hmm. but then also really do think about uh, representing different aspects of trans women sort of, Collectively, yes, um, and they're thoughtful about it, and yes. that doesn't mean that they always, you know, are, are doing things that are uh, amazing, but they're at least thoughtful mm-hmm. <laughs> about what they're doing. And I don't think Caitlyn Jenner is more thoughtful than how can I make money and how can I make my brand become yeah, yeah. Uh, more interesting to advertisers, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's why people should show up and say no, that's yep. <laughs> that's not a thing that we should be supporting. Yeah, um, and yeah,
1: absolutely, <sighs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I also feel like trans, like I can't speak, clearly I can't speak, I only speak for myself, but as a trans man, like, I'm also like non-binary, I don't really believe in gender fluid, all this stuff. Still, like, I feel like there's a lack of trans masculine support for trans women and definitely for trans women of color. Like there's, it's so, it's heartbreaking and it feels really frustrating um, and I feel like I, I can only offer, like, apologies from... But I just feel like there's... It's, <laughs> like, it's overdue where it's, like, there's this... Mm-hmm. I don't even have the, the language for mm-hmm. it, but there's this, like, deep sense of anger and frustration, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. knowing what folks go through and mm-hmm. then reading the constant mm-hmm. news articles right. and mm-hmm. and seeing that and then recognizing, okay, yes, we're trans, and then mm-hmm. also our experiences are so different mm-hmm. in a lot yeah. of ways.
2: Yeah, right, and, yeah, and, and I think that part of that is is also and and I would also i think I would probably have to to suggest that um the in different ways they're overall i think obviously individuals are different, but potentially overall there's just a, a lack of mutual support and i think yes. you're you're exactly right, structurally obviously um the women are going to. Experience more marginalization overall and, and yeah. on average, um, as compared to men cis or trans. Yeah. Um, so, so part of it is really thinking about you know having trans men you know do some of the work that they need to. Yeah. Um, but it's also I think then then the case that there's a there's different kinds of uh, um, I don't really even know what word I want to use here, but I just there's, there are different kinds of conflicts that still aren't resolved, and most of them I think are are just you know petty ones that should be fairly easy <laughs> to yeah. resolve yeah. except that it's, I think it sometimes just uh, illustrates again this idea that when folks are marginalized there's a tendency to to punch laterally yes. you know or, yeah. or even try to punch down yes. as compared yes. to to pull each other up and yeah. that contributes to then the like well you know this group needs its rights and only kind of its rights yeah. and, and this other group needs only its rights yeah. and, and and sure there are going to be cases where the, the, the rights and the struggles are going to be you know, kind of separable from each other yeah um, and and that's that's fine to acknowledge but then also trying to acknowledge the fact that that the oppression of, of one group you know is is also the oppression of another and yeah. And, and feeds into the oppression of another, and, yeah. and it's it's multi-directional. And so, trying to think about how we can uplift each other yeah. um, appropriately. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we also see, you know, how cis folks are like, we're going to lend a helping hand by totally <laughs> denying experiences and mm-hmm. reproducing trauma and, yes. and being fucked up here. Yeah. Um, and you know, and queer folks do that um, to you know to, to trans folks too mm-hmm. um, as well. So, uh, and then of course, cis, uh, then cis hetero folks do it to cis queer folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So, so it's, it, it's, it's all, uh, a, a big tangle, but I think, but at least making that attempt. And, and yeah. I think, again, it goes back to something that we had talked about earlier, which is trying to make the attempt for, you know, kind of as yourself yeah. where you can, because, right. you know, it's, it's the case that I, you know, as a, as a trans woman, as much as I can do, you know, for certain amounts of trans women, um, you know, I won't be able to do mm-hmm. um, more than a, than a certain amount myself yeah. um, and, and trying to put that onto myself <laughs> or anyone else, yeah. frankly, yeah. um, and any other trans woman in particular, it's just, it, it, it's going to put a kind of emotional, intellectual, psychological burden mm-hmm. on a person that is, I just think that person can't and shouldn't have to handle. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we can do our part mm-hmm. where we can and, and for the, the, kind of sphere of influence to use a kind of intellectualized race Mm -hmm. that we, that we are a part of. Like I can only influence certain people, you know, in, in my physical location, or in my social media location, or whatever it is, um, and only some of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not even all of them. Sure. Uh, so, so, but I, that that shouldn't stop me from doing that. Yeah. Um, and just because the the task is is bigger than that. Cause yeah. I, I think if we can work in, in situations where each of us is doing our part, then some of those bigger goals start to um, to fall into place mm-hmm. because we have that critical mass of folks working uh, separately to to create the change versus trying to have one person be in charge oh yeah yeah (laughs) it never seems to work (laughs)
1: exactly yeah
2: yeah and and or that that other that person then starts to be like oh well you know if i have this big position i maybe i can use it for myself selfishly yeah Um, Yeah. and you always have to worry about that (laughs) definitely
1: yeah yeah I just, yeah, I always feel, I don't know, I feel more comfortable around mm-hmm. trans folks. Like, yeah. it's just something where I'm, mm-hmm. I find every now and then, uh, mm-hmm. when I'm in a situation, whether it's, I don't go to support groups much anymore, yeah. but like mm-hmm. starting out and like to the connections I made mm-hmm. or when I talked to someone, there's like mm-hmm. this kind of instant mm-hmm. connection in yeah. a way. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, it's something I think for folks who haven't experienced it, it's hard to it's hard to explain to folks. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and, and I would, and, and I, th- I think you're right. And then I've also found too that the intersections, you know, are uh, are pow- powerful for me at least. Mm-hmm. And and part of it is that like uh, it sometimes is difficult being uh, a trans woman who's a butch lesbian mm-hmm. uh, because often the trans woman who uh, either identifies heterosexual or kind of, uh, who, are, who are at least kind of leaning that way and yeah. in there, maybe if they don't use that particular label, then it sometimes becomes a little awkward because, and also quite frankly, because of how the trans narrative for trans women mm. um, has looked um, and, and continues to look, which is this kind of like blend in, mm-hmm. you know, with cis hetero women, oh. right? And 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 I totally mm-hmm. am fine with someone, if that's like who you are, oh, you're yeah, a hetero right. woman. Then yeah. That's your jam. Go. Yeah. <laughs> like, I fully support you. Mm-hmm. But then sort of trying to put that kind of trans narrative onto me, which has happened for me with some trans women where mm-hmm. they basically kind of been like, oh, like, you're not you're either not doing enough. Yeah. You know, in the, the trans normative, mm. <laughs> like you're supposed to, like, be high femme. And it's like, no, people can do that. But that's not a, some kind of directive <laughs> yeah. that that has to or, or should happen for everyone and i'm comfortable with who i am yeah. but so sometimes even particularly you know with uh, with trans women who are heterosexual it sometimes is the case that i f- i feel a little bit i said especially if there's more you know several of those women and um and just numerically kind of there are more of those women than mm-hmm. there are me uh because then it, it the the sexuality piece really yes. s- kicks in and, yeah. and sometimes just in funny ways like i i was in, in, Interacting with a bunch of um, trans women of color, and they were all talking about like their boyfriends and dating men, and I was yeah. just like, "Oh, I am such a lesbian," <laughs> like, <laughs> because like that, like I appreciated their experience from afar, but I was just yes. like, "I, I have nothing to contribute." Yes, <laughs> like, yeah, and so it, so I think it's always important to remember that. And so in some ways, um, for myself at least, you know, whether they're cis uh, or trans, like. Interacting with lesbians, oftentimes, and again, there's lots of problematic lesbians, no doubt. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but but yes. finding the subset, <laughs> yeah, you know, who are who are not problematic or at least aren't so problematic, mm-hmm. that's also where I I feel that kind of comfort too. And so it's mm-hmm. it's interesting to notice that because I, I feel like in some ways one would expect me to say like, oh, I I always feel you know sort of better mm-hmm. or more comfortable mm-hmm. around trans women, mm-hmm. and it's like mm, not always because yeah. because those intersections of identity um, mm-hmm. actually. Do do matter to you know to both of our lives in, in the case of me interacting with someone else.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally hear that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I'm thinking of yeah. It's I feel like when it first. From like the on the masculine side, Mm -hmm. you know, there was definitely a lot Mm -hmm. of oh, now I'm viewed as masculine, so Mm -hmm. now I can get away with X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. even if that's just oh, I can walk down the street without being catcalled, which Mm -hmm. is something that everyone should be able to. (laughs) Like maybe one day we can live in that (laughs) That, kind of world. Um, It's like kind of bare minimum, Mm -hmm. but there certainly is this idea of oh, what do I need to to fit in or to be accepted? Mm -hmm. And then of course with also with sexuality, you know, if you're for the trans men who are attracted Mm -hmm. to men, you know, what is that like? And there's also the homophobia within the trans community. Mm -hmm. Um, I think. I I would. I want to say there's like less now than there there was before, Mm -hmm. maybe because there's more visibility Mm -hmm. and more Mm -hmm. openness. Um, But yeah, there definitely is that. Oh, maybe people don't want others to quote unquote look Mm -hmm. bad or Mm -hmm. to make folks. Uh, this idea of um, assimilation, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. I understand it mm-hmm. sometimes in terms of safety' sake, mm-hmm. and then also there's a real, uh, it can be really detrimental right. where mm-hmm. people aren't allowed to be mm-hmm. who they are.
2: Right, exactly, and right, and that where right, it starts to become like a, a patrolling of that, and it becomes mm-hmm. this normative way. Because I think there's, there we're at a point now where we actually can uh, and should, you know, talk about like sort of, the, you know, is there this monolithic trans narrative? Yeah, and and, yeah. and and should there be? And as you can imagine, I don't think there should be, but yeah. <laughs> but but, yeah. but people are at least now at a point where it's it is something that they're willing to kind of talk about, and so I think it's we're going to get to a point where we really need to start interrogating, mm-hmm. you know, for trans men, uh, for trans women, and also for non-binary folks. Yes, I think yes. we don't talk enough about non-binary folks, and of yes. course that that is you know our fault uh, collectively, and we should be promoting uh, those conversations. But even non-binary folks are going to also have to uh, talk, start talking about kind of is there some implicit kind of, n- or tacit normative model of, like, you you can't be non-binary unless, and of course, mm-hmm. we should really head that off before it gets to that point, but, uh, I, you know, as, as a cynic, <laughs> I imagine yeah. that is going to be a conversation that we run into in the future, and so it's just keeping people aware that all of these experiences are going to look very different, mm-hmm. um, and, and we don't have to fall into these normative traps, because, I mean, cis-normativity is not working for cis folks, heteronormativity is not working for heterosexual folks. <laughs> no,
1: it's not. It's <laughs> not. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> so why do we think that normativity will be better just because we're yeah. just because we're trans? It won't. Um, and so the plurality of our existences is something that we should really. Uh, uh, honor in, in as active a way as we can, even if we don't necessarily, you know, understand kind of what someone, uh, what someone's path looks like relative to ours. Uh, you know, I think probably good advice is just to be like, hey, they're they're doing something cool for, <laughs> that's it, they're doing something cool. Like yeah. you may not understand it, but there's lots of things in the world that you probably don't understand that are cool. Like, <laughs> and I know that happens for me. Like people love certain things, where I'm just like, I all right, cool. Yeah, <laughs> whatever makes you happy. Right, exactly. Yeah. But I, but just because I can't understand it doesn't mean that it, it is it somehow is not cool or, mm-hmm. or someone shouldn't find it interesting yeah. people should and then i should just check myself <laughs> yeah in that way
1: so cool well mm-hmm. we're uh mm-hmm. yeah coming to the mm-hmm. end thank okay. you so much for yeah. being here it was great talking with yeah, you no, yeah
2: and the time just flew by that was that <laughs> yeah was really good yeah
1: yeah <laughs> is there anything uh, um else you'd like to mm-hmm. promote yeah. any upcoming shows
2: um, yeah, uh, yeah, not that I know of. Um, <laughs> I think I'm just going to try to hang out and, you know, just be with friends and enjoy pride yeah. um, in different ways. Uh, so,
1: yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks again for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. And again, folks can find uh, This or That if you, if you go to this or I'll do a few brief plugs before we end the show. I'll be doing a show at Man Haters in Oakland this coming Thursday, the 22nd. Lots of folks will be performing. It's at 7 p.m. There's a, a Facebook invite. I'll be uh, promoting it also on the Weekly Review webpage, which folks can find at facebook.com slash weeklyrev. Also, we're doing a fundraiser for the this radio show. Folks can chip in if you would like, and that's at patreon.com slash weeklyrev, and that's W-E-E-K-L-Y-R-E-V. Um, shout out to folks who have been sponsoring the show. Uh, Michael Bookert, Kim, Jake, Janice, Kristen. Thank you very much. I hope I'm not leaving anyone out. Um, thank you very much for supporting. Blythe, thank you. Yeah, lots of good folks. So again, uh, through word of mouth, that's how people hear about us. So please do spread the word. Coming up next at 2 p.m. will be Global Valve with Women's Magazine followed by the Common Thread Collective. And we'll uh, we'll round out the show with some more of the songs that we are playing before it'll take just just a moment to get there thanks again everyone for listening also we're raising money here at mutiny radio so folks go to mutinyradio.fm and look for the donate button uh you can donate to help keep the station alive we have open shows here so if you're interested in having a show here at mutiny radio please contact pam at pam sedai and that's p-a-m-s-e-d-a-i at hotmail.com we have a lot of saturday night shows available so you can rent you can have your own show here we also have weekly slots available to have your very own show here at Mutiny Radio. It's completely uncensored. You get two hours a week to do whatever you'd like. And in in times like this, especially that's, that's pretty valuable. So again, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks Charlotte, for being here. And we'll, we'll close out the show with a few more of these, uh, songs from Pitchfork of good old anti-fascist punk songs and starting off with, uh, the Rondos with Which Side Will You Be On? (laughs)
0: When the army takes over factories We'll all know a special of disease When they protect property with guns When they set in remote Monitors right with petition. I have this philosophy: is your life worth the pain in? Is this girl versus boy with different simple? Being bored is power. Scout leader, not detagged. This big scene, you risk change me hostage. Me, I'm fighting with my head. I'm not ambiguous. I must look like a dork. Me, naked with. Tack- Big Crux. Organizing the boys got their motorists wrong. Ten years beyond the big sweat boy, Man, it was still there ever without you. Coming back around, look. We're coming together for just a second. A peek, a guess. At the is just way too big. At the wholeness, it's way too big.
4: running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, Good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression,
3: and digression.